Hi, it's Jesse, the founder of MaxFun, coming to you from the microphone at my home office where I am socially segregating. So we promised you a MaxFun drive this week, but things haven't exactly gone how we expected. So given the pandemic, we're going to postpone this year's drive. Uh, events are still fluid, so we're hesitant to give you specifics about new dates. Right now, we have late April penciled into our calendars. We'll keep you posted about that. As it stands, a lot of our drive machinery was already cranked up. So for one thing, you might hear a reference or two to the drive in our shows, which might have been recorded before we made this decision. And uh, here is some good news. There's a bunch of great bonus content available for all of our MaxFun members. If you're a member and you missed the email with instructions on how to listen, check your spam folder or log in at MaximumFun.org manage. Uh, also at MaximumFun.org manage, you can change your membership if your circumstances have changed. We know this is a tough time for a lot of people and we understand. You can also go to MaximumFun.org slash join at any time if you'd like to become a member. During the next couple weeks, what would have been the drive, we're going to do our best to be extra available to you. Uh, we've got some streaming events planned, some social media stuff. We know a lot of folks are isolated right now, and we want to help provide comfort in the best ways that we know how. You can follow us on social media, and we'll let you know what's up. During this tough time, I have been feeling really grateful for my community of colleagues here at MaxFun and for you, the folks who make our work possible, goofy as that work may sometimes be. Stay safe out there. We're thinking of you. On this episode, we discuss Verotica. The movie that shows that Glenn Danzig is a double threat, musician and crazy person. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. You might know me from a viral tweet about not washing his hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, how does it how does it feel, you guys, to be stars overseas uh, in in the international not washing hands Twitter zone? Yeah, oh, I mean, I tried thank to make you, it... thank you, former guest uh, Jenny Jaffe, friend of the podcast, <laughs> for uh, making me a household name. Yeah, vaguely implying that maybe we don't wash our hands. <laughs> Uh, that's, let's not talk about former guests and talk about our current guest. We've got special guest, April Wolf. That's right. Writer, screenwriter, most recently of Black Christmas, the, uh, award-winning hit movie, probably. <laughs> We've gotten a lot of awards. A lot of awards a and lot a lot of, of buzz. Very yeah. buzz heavy. And, uh, host of Max Phones, Max Phones. Max, <laughs> Max, Phones. Thank you. Max Phones' own Switchblade Sisters. April Wolf, April, thank you so Hi. much for joining us. Thanks for having me on we, to talk about this movie in particular. <laughs> we, we had to have April on to talk about this, perhaps the craziest, maybe the worst movie we've ever done. Uh -huh. uh, we also the have least another movie we've ever done. The least, perhaps this the is least a world movie where we've love seen. On, the love on a leash exists, people. Let's not. <laughs> 
uh, I think Love on a Leash may have been more of a movie than this That's one. That's true. I gotta say. It has a At plot. least this one had a, had a soundtrack, though. Yeah. Um, and also joining us, as you probably heard, is special guest Samuel Kalen. Sammy's on because uh, because this is a kids movie, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, also, I should mention my name is Elliot Kalen. I don't think I ever mentioned my name. No, you didn't. I'm one of the regular co-hosts. But yeah, Sammy's here because it's a kids movie. He and I watched it the <laughs> other night. Uh, he's a big Danzig fan, uh, uh-huh. and so you know he. Uh, twi- what's your favorite song? Of this Twist of Cain, or um, you more a fan of Sam Hain? Uh, he said, are those songs? He just whispered to me. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> the classic Thrill, quiet move shade. Whispering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, would you call it, guys call it the biggest movie of the year? Mm-hmm. Uh, most anticipated? The, most anticipated, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, one, the one more people are interested in than the other. The movie we watched is Veronica. This, of course, is the feature directorial debut from Glenn Danzig of... The bands, Misfits, Danzig, Yeah, so this, Sam is, Hain. this is part of our uh, Rocktoberfest, right? Because we just did <laughs> yeah. The Fanatic. Fred Durst. Yeah. Yeah, now, I guess how, that's true. What's up, Dan? What are your feelings on Glenn Danzig? I don't I don't know him as a... I guess I know some Misfits songs. I don't know him as a musical figure. I know him mostly from you guys talking about how Wizard Magazine wanted to make him Wolverine. Yeah, yeah when I, when I saw he was time. directing a movie, I'm like, but that's a mistake because he's clearly an actor. He played yeah. Wolverine in all those movies, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you guys are a couple Actually, of hard rock fans. Uh what, what are your what are your I thoughts? mean so I'm going to go on record as a fan of like let's call it the first half of Danzig's career like I love his era of the Misfits that first Danzig album I love a lot of the songs on it but then uh there's a certain point where things that I think I enjoy ironically I started to realize he enjoyed them very sincerely mm. those things being like human sacrifice witchcraft like <laughs> sexual violence things that like where I was like, oh, this is a metaphor for something. I'm like, no, he's just singing about a guy who collects skulls. Like, yeah. that's all it is. It's literally just like his neighbor that he's <laughs> just into. Yeah. He's also one of the only cat people who doesn't enjoy talking about his cats. Yeah, well, there's Which that, is insane There's the famous me. photograph of him in a parking lot just with a big box of kitty litter in his hands. Oh, my <laughs> God. I just remember hearing that three-liter bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> like that thing over and over for like a year after that. Yeah. He's also yeah, he's, he's also one of the many musician celebrities to come from New Jersey, and I think he still lives in New Jersey, right? Uh, I think he does. I, I remember someone telling me the story once. I forget who it was now of going to a uh, going to a dancing show and being really excited, and then seeing Glenn dancing and the other guys like unpacking the the equipment before the show, and they're all just wearing Jets jerseys, <laughs> and it like really ruins the mystique of them as horror monsters <laughs> since they're just like Jersey dudes. But uh, Glenn Danzig is one of these. Glenn Danzig is one of these guys that I have to, and especially in the type of music I enjoy listening to, where I have to be like, this is someone whose work I often like. But if I met this person in person, I do not think I would like this person at all. Like he seems, by all accounts, he seems like a real big jerk. Yeah, he'd be really boring, though. I think is the yeah. thing, which you actually see in oh, this God. movie. You're like, oh, it wouldn't even. Oh, I get it. It's just boring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so Veronica is based on a comic book publisher that he oh, has. Oh, and you and you you love comic book movies, right? I love comic book movies. Spawn, Mystery Men, Tank Girl, like all the big hits. Uh, what other great comic book movies? <laughs> American are there out Splendor. There? <laughs> I mean, I did like American Splendor a lot. I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, Ghost World, all these big superhero movies that are out these days. And Veronica <laughs> belongs to the genre I think that we can call uh, erotic horror. Which yeah, yeah. I, I Trash, don't want to. I, I, I don't want to. Oh, really... that's ver- Veronica. Erotica. Oh, yeah. Erotica. Uh, violence. Yeah. Oh, I, you, it took, I'm glad you finally got 
<laughs> so why, why did I don't want to like? Why do you just tack a V on there? Is it because there's vampires? I think it stands I, for violent. Oh, <laughs> violent erotica, and it's and also that, spelled with a K. That, that oh, that goes directly to what I was gonna say, which is like I don't you know begrudge anyone their like uh, consensual innocent fantasies. Let's say because I, I think I hear some begrudging coming up. Well, there is a little <laughs> bit of begrudging in the sense that like erotic horror has never been a thing that I quite understand because I'm like I don't want killing in my sex movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this is—he's not American, of... I think. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Americans love that stuff. So this is what uh, this is one of the first flaws in the conception of this movie uh, for, for, for you Dan least, McCoy. Yeah. For you, uh, that it doesn't appeal for, directly to you because there's a lot of movies that would be a flaw Glenn for Glenn Danzig, who I'm sure yeah, is I, I'd love... deeply into what the stuff in this movie. Now I want to see you as a professional film critic, Dan, so that each of your each of your reviews is like, well, one of the major flaws of Herbie Fully Loaded is it doesn't appeal directly to me. <laughs> there's a point where any point during the movie, Herbie could have turned to the camera and said, hey, Dan, how do you like the movie so far? But at no point does he do that. No, I and yet, I, I was not like addressed once throughout the film. Yeah, that's a very I like that, but I wouldn't because I would try to talk back to the screen and it wouldn't work. And yeah, I would get confused and frustrated. It's like in Metal Gear Solid when Psycho Mantis starts reading your memory card and telling you what video games you like. <laughs> now, uh, Dan loves interacting with the movie screen. That's why Mr. Payback is his favorite movie of all time. Did they do a second interactive movie? No, I don't think they did. I think there were two of them, but Mr. Payback was the famous one. The famous one, one. yeah. (laughs) People are always asking for it. Have you ever seen it? (laughs) So What's what's Mr. Payback about? You don't remember Mr. Payback? No. Mr. Payback was a movie that came out where it was using the the new advanced uh, LaserDisc technology uh-huh. uh, that was also seen in such great games as Dragon Quest, uh-huh. you would go and you would vote on which way the movie would go, mm-hmm. and there were three jerks, and you would vote on which one Mr. Payback would give payback to, and Mr. Payback <laughs> was like an Inspector Gadget type cyborg, I think, um, and you just decide what was going to happen in the movie, and the audience would vote on it. Okay. And I've never been in an audience that actually experienced this film, though it was meant to be seen, but I remember seeing trailers for it and being like, wow, that looks amazing. That is, like, okay. So you're you're voting to see who they who this guy kills, not kills, but like beats up or pulls a prank on. Oh you know? wow! Okay, all right. It wasn't like the, movie, the Mel Gibson movie Payback. I don't think anyone actually died. Yeah, that's what that. I was. <laughs> okay, now, hold it's on. Very different. Now, Black Christmas is also a, a an interactive movie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, welcome to punch any screen that it's playing on. <laughs> truly. Uh, <laughs> So, okay, in 1992, there was uh, an interactive motion picture, the first one, apparently, called I'm Your Man. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Based on the right. song. I'm looking, I'm clicking through to find out anything more about, there is no Sounds plot weird summary for I'm Your Man, because I guess no one ever saw I'm Your Man. Uh, which is weird, because it's a movie, right? It's not a man. Yeah. Well, and also, it's an interactive <laughs> movie, so without an audience watching it, no one can make the decision. So, I have to assume somewhere in some movie theater, there's still a character on screen so <laughs> saying, press the A button if you'd like me to keep going. Press the B button if I should look for a different adventure. And then just repeating that for years and years, over and over again. Yeah. And the projectionist... Like- the projectionist like has Joel died. Osment at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just wishing at the blue fairy to be real. Uh, so, guys, let's talk about Veronica, as we already have been. So, 
Veronica, uh, it's what he's trying to do is revive the classic horror movie anthology film mm-hmm. as he tells three spine-tingling, blood-curdling tales of not very much happening. Uh-oh. And uh, the movie opens with a kind of uh, satanic witch lady poking out a screaming woman's eyes with her fingernails, mm-hmm. and then she introduces herself to the audience with the immortal line, we all know it, Welcome, my darklings. My name is Morella. <laughs> so she will continue to address the audience as her darklings uh-huh. throughout the movie. Now, here's the weird thing about Go this on. movie. You have a horror host, Morella, who is some kind of a Satan witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't introduce the movies. She just sh- shows up after the stories and has a pun. And then yeah. a title card comes up from the next one. It seems like the horror host's main job is to introduce the story yeah. and kind of prepare you yeah. for what you're about to see. Yeah. But, but instead, she is she is not available. She's also bored by them. At one point, she just goes, well, that's that. And <laughs> what? <laughs> right. And I think, one of the, I think one of the intros is basically, she just basically says, well, here's another one. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I did. I did a little. I did a little research. Uh, Marilla is played by actress Caden Cross, who uh, just recently uh, won Best Director at the 2020 AVN uh, Pornography uh, Film. Oh wow! Awards. So this is like uh, Martin Scorsese year. appearing in Akira Kurosawa's Dreams as Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the so so she's a director or she is a. I think she's she's both been in front and behind the camera, yeah, I but think, she just won yeah. an award for I think her director. The, oh, I the best way for uh, porn actors to uh, continue to make money in this world of internet and aging is to transition to being behind the camera, oh, which I, I think is true also in uh, non-pornographic film. Yeah, yeah. it's like I mean, uh, A Quiet Place too, Dan. You already got your tickets, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess so are, ripping off of that comment. So are we saying she's like the Greta Gerwig of the adult video okay, world? Let's not get too deeply into this. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so uh, some things that I found interesting in the opening credits of this film: there's a person in the movie whose name is Kansas Bowling, which... <laughs> who was on Switchblade Sisters, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Which episode was that? Um, she did the the monkeys movie Head. Oh, I listened oh, to that wow. one. I forgot about I forgot yeah. about that was her who did it. Um, she that was she, a good episode. In this, she plays a role in the third uh, in the third installment, the third mm-hmm. anthology. This, what do we call it? Is it a you can't, is it a, you can't call it a story? There's not much, there's <laughs> it's not really a story. Yeah, I, think, I guess we could call this a library of thrills. <laughs> yeah, maybe like can, a, I, a, a, can I return the book that I checked out? <laughs> I mean, I think you should. And uh, and the movie was edited by Brian Cox, but probably not that Brian Cox. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a double threat. I mean, it makes I sense. That, He's never done it before, why. so he's starting out with this one. I know. know. He just takes. He's got an, a hiatus from Succession, and he's yeah. just you know ready to like learn the trade. He Man. was hanging out with his friend Glenn Danzig. He's like, Glenn, I taught myself final cut <laughs> well that's why <laughs> do you have any projects i could work together with you on of course he's still working on final cut <laughs> uh, that's why in, bes- in between scenes there are all those scenes where someone shows up to just explain different types of scotch to the audience <laughs> brian cox put those in and you said this movie was not appealing to you dan huh interesting what? yeah i know, I know. <laughs> weird so, uh, so Morella comes out and uh, blinds a woman, and then is like, "Welcome, my darklings. Here's the movie." There's and also there's get... also a moment like this. This starts <laughs> a uh, a trend in the film where somebody removes a body part, and the person's reaction is just to say the body part over and over. In this case, yeah, she just says, "My eyes, my eyes." <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Later on, we'll hear, "My face, my face," <laughs> and, got... and of course. 
if I got my eyes poked out, I think that's probably what I'd be screaming. And you're though. like, <laughs> and the, and the person that poked out your eyes, probably some kind of a witch or uh-huh. I don't know, a uh, regular person, um, would be like, yeah, duh, I know, I just did it. <laughs> it's like newsflash, I'm the one who did it. I know you're blind, you can't see that I'm the one standing here, but it's me. Also, me. she like she licks the blood off of her fingers from it too, which is just like insult to injury because that woman can't even see that yeah. flex. Like she can't even tell. <laughs> <laughs> Unless her hearing has become so advanced in that moment that she can hear the sound of yes. like a tongue scraping. Oh, God, she's <laughs> licking my blood. I know it. <laughs> I, I hear a tongue scraping against finger skin, but there's an extra level of liquid in there. It sounds a little different. Uh, so anyway, then we get the title screen for the first of our trilogy of uh, error. Let's say. Let's call it a wow. trilogy of error. Um, it's called The Albino Spider of Dejet. And the, the title... Frankly, promises almost everything except one thing. Uh, we open with a CGI spider watching freak French people making out on a couch, and mm-hmm. the woman does not want her shirt lifted up, but the man does it anyway to reveal she has eyes instead of nipples. Bump, yeah. bump, bump. She could have worn a bra. I'm just saying. It's probably uncomfortable. I, it's like a blindfold all the time. Yeah. I, I really don't want to blame the woman in this scenario, but also, like, if she was making out with him as enthusiastically as she was, she probably could have what? anticipated that, like, he would try to take her her shirt off at one point. Like, like, what was her plan I mean, initially? She, I guess she does. Was, at one point, she does. Once we get to the point, you're being where she, weird, Dan. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, like. But she does. She does say like, "Oh no, not again." So you would think like, "Oh, right. okay, this is yeah." I mean, that's the thing is once. It, once, shame on the guy. Twice, shame on her. She knows what people are going to respond to her. Yeah, she's just got to give like a little prep. Like, don't freak out. Okay, my here's something you should know. My are a little different. I have eyes on my memories, and I know that's out of the ordinary. <laughs> I will explain to you how that happened because the movie will not. <laughs> I kept waiting. I was like, oh, I mean, at least I'm curious to find out how this happened. No, I think it's just supposed to be that she was born that way, which is not something that can happen in a human being as far as I know. Well. You know, yeah. there's a lot we don't know about. That's true. That's yeah, true. I don't, Maybe April, somewhere buried in the Time Life Mysteries books there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like, it's like a, like a Blech Trommel tin drum sort of thing, you know? Okay, it's fair realism. point, fair point. This is the magical realism of the story. Uh, so he runs out. She, we learn, is dead jet, a model. Uh, a lot of information. She's consoled by her bikini-wearing roommate. Oh, no, I guess neighbor? Neighbor. Her, she has like a Kramer-type neighbor who just wanders into the apartment but we're wearing a bikini top, which Kramer normally didn't do. And Dejet is so sad that she... <laughs> Nine times out of ten. She, yeah, she cries, and her tears knock that spider onto the floor, and it transforms, I guess through the power of her erotic sadness, into a spider monster man who declares his love for Dejet and said, while you sleep, I'm going to go out and snap women's necks. Yeah. He is also into anal sex a lot, though, yes. too, which is weird. Yeah, that was something <laughs> like, that he... Is what? A, it's a real... In his character diamond, he is a man spider, he's a murderer, and he's only interested in in that. Yeah, you know? I yeah. totally missed that third part. I have no really? idea Really? Because how... he says it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the movie's not... Okay. I no, mean, you're right, Dan. The movie, so it was, things were flying things fast and furious. Like, <laughs> you're right. It was yeah. the movie was. So, I mean, this was a real sneakers. You really had to pay close attention to figure out who was conning who. That oh, that's crazy. I know a movie like this, much like Robert Altman's Images, it's you know it's throwing so much at you, and it's such a such a surreal vision that <laughs> when the when the character walks up to another character and says, "I'm going to bend you over and do you in the ass." I see how you can miss that because okay. you're like, wait, what am I taking in here? 
Uh, so, <laughs> so wait, um, hold on. I, so I want to explain this character a little bit. He's a bit of like kind of a dark angel figure, like uh, like a like your pinheads a little bit, or or your like kingsmen. Sure. But like, I kind of didn't understand why he was killing the specific people he was killing while she was asleep because it was like I think, these people I, are not standing in her way somehow or something like this is or like this is not fulfilling some need no, no. that I could see it, it, see that's what cuz this story is twisted in a regular okay. story this guy would go out and kill the men who had wronged her and she'd be like no no I didn't want that instead this guy is worse than the men who have wronged her <laughs> yeah. and it's just going out and killing women for no reason he just snaps their necks for, for uh, no reason <laughs> Uh, that I mean, implies that there could be a reason. Going. Well, no, but I mean, if this was a normal horror movie, she'd have a, a she'd have a, a logical revenge reason. Yeah, that's right. For why this guy's got, like monkey uh, shines. Poli- that monkey's killing a- those people for a reason. Yeah, you know? yeah. Police oh. called a motive, Dan. Wait, hold on, hold on. I did we mention that everyone has French accents? Yes, yes they all have very fake. In, in I mean, Paris. are they though? Uh, they have yeah. someone's idea of a French accent. Because I thought I was just like, okay, I can see that these people moved to France from Russia. And, <laughs> and, looked, and so that was the vibe I was getting. Yeah, I think yeah. That's, that's a fair point. They yeah. all seem like they were trafficked at some point to yeah. Western Europe from Eastern Europe. Well, yeah, I, go- it was, I go- yeah, it was very interesting. I googled so, uh, to find out why they all had French accents, uh, and I guess there's uh, online you can find that there's a tweet saying that someone asked this at the premiere of Danzig, and he says, "Oh, they're in Paris," which is not something that the movie explains. No, I mean, the movie is too busy just getting deep into the story of this Spider's man snapping people's necks. He kills her neighbor, and she's horrified. Next, he kills a prostitute in a very fake-looking alley while she is falling asleep backstage at some sort of of very low-energy leather fetish model shoot where the (laughs) photographer— It's like like a Shutterstock fetish— uh, yeah. like, you know that they're gonna have a uh, there's gonna be a watermark over the over the image. They've got and, four or five women kind of standing against a backdrop, doing kind of a backup dancer for a Robert Palmer, like kind of like sort of like lazy squirming, I would call it. Yeah, and, and the photographer's photographer, going beautiful, sexy, sexy, beautiful. Yeah. And he's got the jankiest old camera too. <laughs> yeah, that part's great. Uh, and uh, she happens to see on TV that uh, the second victim has been found. And the this is my favorite part, is that yes. the reporter reports that the police are already calling the murderer Le Neckbreaker. <laughs> because it's France. <laughs> it's France. So well, it's you know, Le Neckbreaker. And it's not even like... It's it's, like and also, even, even in America, that would be a lazy name for a murderer <laughs> who snaps people's necks. The Neckbreaker. Yeah. It's... But, but a well, great I mean, name for it's a, a translation from French to English, though. Oh, yeah, it, just... it lost something in, in the French. In, fr- in French, it's probably beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he says Le Neck Breaker was so funny to me because they're like, oh, yeah, we got to remind people it's France. Mm-hmm. Um is doing her best to try to stay awake. She goes to the movies and sees a... Uh, uh, goes to a porno theater where the marquee, <sighs> if I'm translating correctly, I think it's nude without a face, which is yeah. like, uh, I guess their play on eyes without a face. Mm-hmm. Um and the guys in the theater, she falls asleep. Of course she does. She's so tired. She's done nothing but sleep all movie. And <laughs> I mean, there's a certain point at which, like, she doesn't need to sleep anymore, right? Because yeah. she's slept for, I think, 40 hours straight while yeah. the neck breaker is just running around breaking necks. Yeah, and there's, a, there's a point where after she falls asleep, one of the guys leans over to his buddy and he mansplains. He's like, this part coming up is great. <laughs> but like, this is the part where she does it with this guy. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, realism. Yeah, well, this guy, yeah, he's a real repeat customer. I mean, but also, he reminds me of like, whenever I see, 
so I don't want to get too deep into it, but whenever I see like a pornographic video online, I see that there are like comments below. I'm like, uh, yeah. who are these people <laughs> <laughs> who are like, I really need to, you, to let you know the exact point that I orgasmed. From user Flophousecat <laughs> <laughs> saying... I, th- I just think it's this must be what it's like to go to a porn theater in New York in the middle of the day when it's just old people going to the movies. Because if my experience at Film Forum is any indication, old people just love to talk to you about what's going on in the movie while the movie's going on. Uh-huh. So that's probably what it's like when they're at those theaters, too. And they also sit too close to you. As yes. The jet did a little bit too close to these guys in this theater. I mean, it's, it's like an open theater, and she's like, "I'll sit behind these two men." I'm like, what? It's okay. Uh, they they uh, they start pawing at her while she's asleep, but this wakes her up, interrupting the man spider in the middle of an act that Dan didn't realize what he was yeah. doing. But again, we know this that is, it is. Um, so wait, this is a weird message. So their, ass- their lady- assault. Uh, saves a naked woman's yeah, life. this is what I was yes. going to say. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is there's no moral reason this movie should exist in any sense. Yeah. Like, I'm not one for censorship, but if, if the government was like, we have to get every copy of this movie and burn it, I'd be like, well, if you got to burn one movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> maybe this is the one. This is wow. a weird stance to take. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, so she's like, I gotta go somewhere else. She goes to a cafe, which strangely enough has a neon sign that says cafe inside the restaurant on the cafe side of the window so that you can read it while you're in the cafe and know that you're in a cafe. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's a strange piece of set dressing. Um, Is this where but, she encounters the waiter with the absolute worst of the fake French accents? Yes, the waiter comes in. It's weird. She sits down at a table where there's already a coffee mug sitting there. And I was like... That happens. It? Is it supposed to? But then the waiter comes by, and I think he's going to refill that mug. Like, Do they just have the one mug at the restaurant? Like, <laughs> like, why can't the waiter bring a mug? And the waiter is like, "You shouldn't be out. You should be at home. The neck breaker is out." Yeah, but he and, says it crazier. He's like, "Neck breaker." <laughs> like, yeah. And th- really? this guy, this guy cares about necks because he has some very badly disguised neck tattoos oh, peeking boy. out from the collar of his waiter shirt. Oh, yeah. So he knows he's a target. Uh, She goes home, hangs out in her underwear for a little bit, uh, and then she has this elaborate plan to catch the neckbreaker where she reports a murder on the phone to the police, and then she looks at some pills that are on on a bedside table, and the man spider shows up, and the police knock at the door, and she dies, I assume having absorbed the energy of the medicine that she overdosed on just by looking at it. She just Mm -hmm. absorbed it through her her eye beams, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, they break in and they find her and they find the man spider and they shoot it to death. Uh, no questions asked. And seem pretty then, chill about it. It's yeah. And they look down at him and they're like, "There's the neck breaker, pale as a ghost." And I was like, "Do you not want to comment on the fact that he has six arms?" <laughs> 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 like, is this not something worthy of mentioning? It's like, also a it's, very strange. Like this, if I'm not mistaken, this is like the last few shots of the movie is like the camera on the floor in the neck breaker's point of view shot. And these like detectives looming over him, looking down like they're in a football huddle, and they just like <laughs> exchange a few lines about the neckbreaker, like very casually, like it's like, oh, and how about the weather today? And then like the <laughs> thing ends, <laughs> and it's like, what? well, and then well, they don't. Then they look down at her and they go, oh, she has eyes on her boobs, <laughs> and they're like, oh, and that's the end of the story. And then Same it cuts problem. to Morella, and that's when Morella says, well, there you go, the eyes have it, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's the laziest pun, and it is so nonsensical. Do you, do you think? Do you think the movie would have been? Do you think this story would have been salvaged if the coroner came in and like 
close the eyes on her face and then had to reach down and close <laughs> yeah, the yeah, eyes on the eyes. Yeah, put pennies down. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I, did you guys forget? I kept forgetting throughout that she had eyes on her tits. I was just like, yeah, because they don't talk about it after yeah, the first it's just time. Like, and then I was like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it is the most noteworthy thing about the story. And yet it's the one thing that, I mean, I don't run in the same circles that Danzig runs in. Maybe that's not that weird a thing where mm-hmm. he's from. But certainly that's, I kept being like, are they going to explain about that? Or are they gonna- yeah, do you think it, Do you think it's like a product of the body mod community he's into? And like oh, when she was a maybe. kid, she got these eyes put on there and she's like, oh, I can't get him like... It's way harder to get them swapped out with normal style nipples. <laughs> normal style. Well, the normal way the thing, well, the way the thing yeah, with, tre- with, with nipples classic. Yeah. <laughs> the way the thing treats it, it's like I feel like it. They forget about it because Danzig only like cares about it as motivation for her erotic frustrations. But I also think that that's hilarious. Like he couldn't come up with a simpler normal reason for it. He's like, hmm. Why is this woman sexually frustrated? Like, I know, men are creeped out by her eye boobs. <laughs> but that's, okay, I like this one. Okay, this, I yeah, mean, yeah, this yeah. is by far the, the best this is of the, the best one. Yeah, this is the one where I was just like, okay, if this is the first one, like, let's hang in, what's going to happen? Because there's, like, great lines, like, milk or beer, milk or beer. Like, when the, the roommate or the creamer person is, like, oh, yeah. like, going through a refrigerator, and it's just like... What? <laughs> yeah. When are those ever those random, like small the, the things? Where you're like, of... wow, the detail in this. I mean, <laughs> really that's... reveals character. Yeah. I'm I'm a bartender, so those that's usually what I ask people when they come into the bar. <laughs> Milk or beer? <laughs> the two. There, the two drinks. That we there was like a little bit of like unnecessary back and forth cattiness between the other models at the photo shoot. Oh yeah, and it was like she's like, oh, if you're feeling so soft hearted, how about lending me some money? Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And I was like. Are you trying to build this up as like a world that these people are in? Because we never see any of them again. Like, but it could have been. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. We're like, mm-hmm. it really could have been. And I kept being like, oh. The funny thing is that like, if you look on IMDb, there's only one writing credit and it's Danzig. But if you actually watch the credits, there's four writing credits, including <laughs> Danzig. And I was watching it with my friend Janet and uh, my husband. And we read the credits and we were like, holy shit, did Bridget write this movie? We knew one of the writers. <laughs> and we texted her. She's a comedian. And we were like, did you write Veronica? <laughs> She's like, uh, no, I don't think so. But I, and I was like, first off, what an answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. Secondly, <laughs> uh, I guess she had worked on a project with Danzig for Shudder. And then something Uh-oh. happened, like it disappeared. And then she was like, oh, I guess he stole some stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, because I imagine my... my Vision is Danzig checking the IMDb profile every day to delete other names that got added. Yeah. Because that is the sign of a professional director. (laughs) (laughs) So that's by far the most coherent and the most uh, legible of of the stories. It has the most story in it. And it Uh, has more like weird stuff than the other things, which is nice. Like the other ones are a lot more boring well Well, you got if you guys liked that little tale okay i'll be summarizing (laughs) the next ghoulish adventure oh boy really getting into it much more than morella who says well there you go the eyes have it and then it fades out and we just get the title of the next the next story and what is that title title is change of face and it's also a change of font than the last one (laughs) change of typeface Uh, so we, we open on the hot LA streets, (laughs) a strange woman, almost a mystery girl, if you would, 
is stalking another woman. Uh, and by stalking, I mean they're like standing on other ends of the alley. The mystery woman has a knife and is like, I just want to cut off your face. And she's like, no way. And then uh, she does it. She cuts off her face. And the mystery is- woman is very offended that this other woman won't give her her face. Uh-huh. So, uh, cut to the interior of a hard rock strip club that we later learn is called Pussycats. Uh, it's very cool. It's the sort of, uh, it's, I feel like, well, hold on. I feel like there's two different types of ways you can, like, there's two different guys who make uh, movies with strip clubs. You have the ones that are like, let's make it look awesome. And those are totally fabricated. And then there's like a strip club in like, uh, HBO's The Outsider, where you're like, oh, this looks right. <laughs> this this super long, boring show, this is what a strip club actually looks like. <laughs> so so what made it so cool, Stuart, other than the, the incredible hard rock tunes there's constantly bang, playing? There's banging hard rock tunes. There's the same regulars hanging out. Uh, the... The shots are angled in a way that you can still see the ceiling struts, and it still looks like a cheap strip club. Uh, Dan, you thought it was pretty cool. You're a you're a regular at at uh, Pussy Cats, right? <laughs> you're, that, you're that gentleman wearing the uh, the cowboy hat with the nameplate "fuck" on the front of it. <laughs> it's weird. Like this this uh, movie is um, so uh-huh. intensely just focused on undressing women. And, and yet, you said, but, but and yet you said it didn't appeal to you. <laughs> yeah, well, again, there's killing in it too. Uh, but <laughs> well, he uh, watched it with his mom. It was a it was a tough yeah. watch, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was because your mom asked. You, she wanted to watch it, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a big Danzig fan, right? Uh, <laughs> That's why she named you Dan. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not arguing for more nudity when I make this observation, but like this movie is like so concerned with sex and nudity. Stuart looks skeptical. And then like the strip club very frequently is like not very naked women uh, on stage. So it has that thing that like all movies have to have where they're like the strip club where people aren't getting nude that much. You see women just kind of like swinging around poles for the length of an entire song. Yeah, yeah. it does feel like, a little bit just, like an at like a an infomercial for strip clubs. Yeah. It, but these aren't strippers. Like I think that people are getting their like he got his sex workers mixed up where it's just like he hired porn stars to play strippers, but like strippers is a different specialty. Yeah, they don't really exactly. know what and I were just criticizing the stripping. I was just like, <laughs> what is going on? Like you are so unprofessional. <laughs> it just felt it was off. Yeah. It was off. I watched yeah. this with Audrey and like the mystery girl that comes up later. She was mm-hmm. like, she's just swinging her cape around. I mean, she's she just is swinging yeah. her cape around. So it's by far the it's by far the most lackluster dance I've ever seen. With, she does not deserve the intro or the pseudonym. Yeah, with with about the same amount of excitement, uh, <laughs> the hype man DJ at the at Pussycats uh, brings up the new dancer. That's right, the mystery girl, uh, who is a woman wearing a cape and she has skulls taped over her nipples and she is wearing a veil that does very little to disguise the scarred uh, marks around her eyeballs which ends up scaring off some potential uh, tippers and she mainly dances by uh, wiggling her cape cape around Um, yeah I think it's very funny that they're like here she is the mystery girl the girl who's showing even less than all the other girls because she has a cape on Mm -hmm. and the cape stays there the whole time like it's not like it's a mystery theme it's not like a riddler themed stripper which if i hear mystery girl correct uh-huh. me if i'm wrong uh-huh. i want to see yep. a stripper who's themed like the riddler 
from the Batman series. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe she's wearing an outfit covered in question marks, or maybe she's hurling riddles out to the crowd and they have to uh-huh. solve them before she'll take any clothes off. Or what off. if it's like yeah. a mystery date style thing where it's like, open the door for your mystery girl and like she opens the door and that's when she's nude like it's a burlesque thing where she was kind of like, like a she, slow tease before like that. she closes the door and then takes off an outfit and then opens the door again yeah, and exactly. closes again and then opens the door. but they play the jingle every single time every they open time. the door so it drives people insane you guys have some interesting desires <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good that summary I... of this podcast <laughs> but i think that like also the mystery girl is um really bad at her job. I don't know why she's doing it because there's a guy who's like offering her a hundred dollar bill and all she does is bend down and stare at him yeah. until he goes away and like sees the that she's got someone else's skin over her skin. And it's just yeah. like you could just take the money. Well, that... <laughs> you don't have to like intimidate her. I think she's mad because she does it for the art and it cheapens yeah. her performance. It is. Oh. Set money for it. Yeah. Well, that plays into something weird. That, she's like uh, Banksy that way. That mm. uh, uh, When we were watching this, Audrey's like, okay, so she puts like other people's skin over her face. Mm-hmm. Yep. So but... as, as we found out, the mystery girl later on, we find out mystery girl is the same mystery woman from earlier who has been cutting off women's faces and putting it over her own face, which is it. She describes as, as horribly scarred, but it's, it's kind of like on par with Ryan Reynolds in the Deadpool movies where you're like, Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, lo- I love the, bad. I love the cat out of the bag because it, I felt like it it's already like dark man or anything. wriggled out a little bit, but she, no, she's got some scratches on the side of her face where it's just like, you know, laser therapy is a thing. And also like a lot of people have some stuff on their face. Look, if like, Bill Murray can be a huge movie star, yeah. there's a reason she can't live a normal life. Yeah. But, uh, no, the, the, the thing is like, but sometimes the deepest oh, scars are the I've been ones you can't to make see. this point for so long go, go now. On, Dan. Well, Dan, maybe you should like make it then. Oh god. <laughs> no, we were watching it and this woman puts a face on her face uh-huh, yeah. and Audrey pointed out that her cheeks look normal in this scenario. But and yet that's the part of her face that she chooses to cover with a mask, whereas her eyes are on display and you can see the holes where she's put eye holes in this other skin. Yeah, you would think if she was just if she was gonna dance around uh, with a mask over her lower part of her face, she doesn't need to wear someone else's face, right? Because the yeah. lower half of her like her you're plan not seeing that part. Her plan doesn't make so, sense. So you're saying, Dan, your big issue was that you can see it's a poor makeup job when she puts this mask on. Is that she's not exactly the Rick Baker of stealing other people's faces and putting them on I her mean, face? Like, put, like wear like a, a Zorro mask over your eyes, oh, like and a then Domino. Keep the rest of it. Uh, yeah, Domino just, mask. Maybe that could be part of your Riddler-themed yeah. strip routine. Yeah. Yeah. So for Batlesque, Batlesque is of course Batman themed burlesque. Themed burlesque. Uh, you have there's a woman Batman. There's a woman Joker. There's a woman Riddler. There's a guy who does Catwoman. Uh, you know, okay. we're just mixing things up. It's Batlesque. So, uh, now cut back to that, uh, alleyway where the cops are spending a long time standing over the murdered girl. Uh, they're kind of just dicking around. That's a around. theme here. <laughs> yeah, the cops are kind of, they, they do spend a lot of time just hanging around. <laughs> just standing over naked, murdered with her. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, it's a lot of, you know, like, uh, boilerplate uh, cop dialogue probably gleaned from watching a couple episodes of uh, SVU uh, while Glenn Danzig is 
drifting off to dreamland at night, and he needs just one last story to put him over the edge. So SVU is special Veronica unit. Yeah. Uh, some, some cops handle special Veronica crimes. So Mystery Girl, we find, has a... Uh, Pretty pretty Spartan uh, <laughs> uh, changing area where she has a bunch of faces nailed to the wall and a little uh, little vanity. <laughs> uh, um, the she you know talks to herself, talks to the masks. She goes and finds a new victim. No, when you say masks, you mean faces. Yeah, fa- faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Aren't all faces a mask at the end of the day? Um, and so she wow. she open she, she opens somebody's apartment door using an apartment key. That's not really explained. It's fine, but they show it, so it's important. <laughs> Um, she goes in, the woman, uh, is a little surprised to have a stranger in her home. Uh, and then she's even more surprised when, uh, her face is demanded as payment. So the mystery girl and, uh, this new victim struggle, uh, it's kind of awkward. They kind of, you know, they kind of sit and look at a knife for a bit and then they, uh, (laughs) like kind of wrestle. And then she slowly touches the woman's face with a knife and blood comes out. Uh, and then she takes the face off, and then the woman's standing there without a face, and she's like, my face, my face, thus closing mm-hmm. the loop. Uh, <laughs> the, we then get, a, you know, we get another shot of, the, of cops inside uh, this woman's apartment. There's like a new detective that's like, okay, give me the brief. And the first detective <laughs> explains it, and he's like, all right, all right. Is the new detective <laughs> the one that's kind of like uh, a Michael Chiklis type? That was the original guy. Oh, the original yeah. Michael Chick- the one that's putting on like the gravelly Batman voice. Yeah, and yeah. and mm-hmm. it, we find out that there's been 13 murders, so they're taking their time. Uh, and, and they're worried uh, that the press is going to find out, because I don't know what... <laughs> There were 13 up, murders, they said? Yeah, they said there's 13 murders, and they're nervous about the press coming out because they're like, you know as soon as the press finds out, they're going to come out with some badass name like Lenepk Breaker or something. Mm-hmm. Le Face Taker. But that, like, in the end, though, when you see all the faces, there aren't 13 faces, so that means that there's another face taker. I mean, or I got to imagine yeah. there's a shelf life for a dis- for a, for a moved, uh, yeah. moved okay, face. Okay, okay. Like All at a certain right. point she's like these faces are getting pretty rank. I okay. got I got to replace them. Yeah. Does uh, mean that there are 13 <laughs> ghosts running around out there after yeah, and Elliot, I think you misspoke. You said shelf life, but they're clearly nailed to the wall. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I meant wall shelf. life. It doesn't seem like yeah. a good way to store like faces you put on your face. It's a very poor way to store anything, <laughs> especially faces you're going to put on your face. So the uh, detective... I wouldn't even store a coat that way. To nail it to the wall? Like, and I'm going <laughs> to... Like, I'll hang it on a nail, but come on. Actually, like, I haven't really thought about it. I probably shouldn't store my face on the wall with a nail through it. Thanks. No, Anna. you got to imagine she, she walks over to the next wall to like get dressed for her job, and all her underpants are nailed to the wall. Like, <laughs> come on, lady, buy a dresser. You yeah. have no furniture except for this table and this little vanity yeah. mirror. Well, she's not making hammer. money. That's for damn sure. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah, she comes uh, home. She's just bought a twelve pack of Lacroix. Each one she nails <laughs> to the wall. Oh, they're just gonna leak out. Come on. Uh, uh, so of course, uh, Detective Michael Chiklis now uh, imagine tracks her, her down. She, she, she's but she's she gets a, a package of craft singles, and she's like, "I don't want all these right now," and nails them to the wall individually. No, unlike a normal non, non uh, like a non murderer person who buys a pack of craft singles and eats every single one in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, it's called dinner stew. It's called dinner. 
So Detective Michael Chiklis. Look, you had a hard day at work. (laughs) You just want to sit down and just make your way through a 64-pack of Kraft singles. (laughs) And you know what? You know it's a lot of extra waste because of the wrapping around every single one of the single. But at the same time, it's kind of more where you get a little bit of enjoyment, too. Because it's like, look, I work hard all day. Why don't I get a little bit of luxury here? The luxury of knowing that each of these singles was individually wrapped (laughs) just for me. Because really, the anticipation of the uh-huh. unwrapping is more enjoyable than the eating of the single. Maybe I'm out on a limb here. Maybe this is pretty uh No, it's like radical. the joy of a hard-boiled egg as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the unwrapping yeah. of the individually yeah. plastic-wrapped egg. Yeah. See, it would be a deterrent for me because the fact that I have to peel off the plastic each time uh-huh. gives me time to think about what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that when you're eating craft singles for dinner, that is your enemy is thinking about what you're doing. That's, <laughs> that's true. Something, you want to get into singles it. for dinner. It's the great thing about it is that in order to properly do it, you have to maintain conscious competence. Now, guys, I've done a little <laughs> bit of uh, uh, you know I've, I used to be a trainer professionally, so it's all about keeping employees in that place where they they know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it, and that's what you're doing when you're eating craft singles because if you don't pay attention, you're eating plastic, and you can't do that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's right. And but you want to you want to have just enough brain power that you know what you're doing to unwrap it and not eat the plastic, and not enough brain power that you're realizing you're just eating 64 slices of American cheese for dinner. And that's why you want to watch something like House Hunters, where uh-huh. you don't need to pay full attention to it because it's the same exact show every single time. But you want to pay just enough attention to it so that you can know why the house they chose is not the right house for them in the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Detective Michael Chiklis finds a break in the case. He <laughs> finds a business card for the Pussycats uh, <laughs> Erotic Dance Club. and he. It looks like Pussy Rats, though. It does look like Pussy Rats. I feel like they should use a, uh, like, they should have used somebody, like a graphic designer, to fix that for them. Maybe yeah. that's the name of this place. I thought it was, it's, is it Pussy Rats or is it Pussy Cats? I don't know if it's K. ever said out loud, is it? No, it's never said out loud, yeah. but it certainly looks like Pussy Rats on that card. And I guess I, I mean, gave I them think, the benefit of the doubt, you know. I think it's weird that she is carrying around her business card when she's going out hunting faces, but also weird that the police officer is never like, oh, the killer has been at this place. He's like, well... Looks like it's mystery girl. Yeah, like so he kind he of knows to dance her right away. And he looks at the camera, and he, after hassling the door guy for a little bit, he's like, "Do you know who Mystery Girl is?" And he's like, "I know a lot of girls, buddy." Uh, Detective Michael Chiklis, uh takes a look at the camera, and he says, "Ready or not, Mystery Girl, here I come." And then he goes <laughs> and hassles some of the dancers. Uh, he threatens <laughs> to shoot them. Well, one uh, of the dancers, she's like, mystery girl, a police officer came. You got to go. I'll stall him. And he goes, hey, do you know where a mystery girl is? And she's like, uh, I don't know. What? Huh? Like, that's her version of stalling <laughs> is just to like, just to irritate him for a moment. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have a lot of fucking improv training, right, Ellie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe she does. I don't know. Maybe it's just bad improv training. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm, well, I guess you're right. So the detective hassles some dancers. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm saying, Stu, you don't know her, her background or her life. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe she had, maybe she went to, uh, like level one training uh-huh. and just didn't pursue it afterwards. Uh-huh. Uh, so he then, uh, <laughs> I feel like this is comedy that's very specific to like, say our group of people and not well, the world. Well, certainly Stu is not interested in it. So continue <laughs> yeah. Stu. What happens next? Uh, yeah. So, uh, the detective goes into, uh, his path. The, the trail for the mystery girl leads him into a dark, uh, warehouse, where he is uh, ambushed by the mystery girl who stabs him, and then he shoots her a couple times, and he makes some grand uh, proclamation of vengeance. Yeah. Then we get a title card six months later. Uh-oh, we're in a new club, and a new DJ introduces a hot new dancer. That's right, 
onto the stage walks Mysteria, who is dancing with obvious bullet scars and another mask. <laughs> she then takes a $100 bill, rips it in half, and walks out. And we're like, that's the real crime, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird ending because you're... Because it's not an ending? It, yeah, that's this time leap, and you expect, like, either the point is that... Oh no, she's she's like gone on to another club and she's just gonna do the same thing again. In which case, they don't need to let her do her whole dance one more time. Uh-huh. Or as she does the dance, she leans down and sees that it's the detective bent on vengeance uh-huh. catching up with mm-hmm. her. But like, I mean, like, or the, the detective wearing someone else's face and he's like, "I get it now." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or the detective and he's holding a, uh, a a bunch of marriage photos of the two of them from their honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, a lot's happened in six months. <laughs> yeah. This is a very eventful six months. So I guess. But what either of those is, choices would have been endings. Neither would have been yeah. good endings, but like at least they would provide some kind of closure. Well, this is my new theory about Veronica that I just came up with now is that. The movie represents the uh, dissolution of the human mind and the way that uh, narratives have frayed in this modern world we live in. Because the first story, there's a beginning. Woman is spurned by a lover and cries on a spider. Mm -hmm. There's a middle. Spider becomes a monster murderer and is breaking women's necks. And an end. Woman sacrifices herself to stop monster murderer somehow. Uh Second story, there's a beginning. Somebody's stealing faces. There's a middle. The police are after the face stealer, and there's no ending. And the third story, as Dan will go into, has neither a beginning or an end. It is all middle. <laughs> so I, I don't. I actually, I'm having trouble remembering. I know it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy because these little interstitial segments made a pretty big impact uh, when I watched them. But what does Morella say in between these two? Yeah. I wish what I remembered exactly was something like. Well, that's a look at a different face or something. She's holding her face in her hands, and she's like, "What she should say is, yep, we still have the props from that one left over." <laughs> and that face, I couldn't tell. Like, it, was it supposed to be the the cop? Like, Audrey's like, "Is that the cop's face?" And I'm like, "No, I don't think so. I think it's just a face." And then I like looked at him, like, "Yeah." could be that's just the human brain searching for well, connections <laughs> yes like, that's what I, exactly what i was going to say dan you are you are searching for logic in a world without it well but i'm saying like if danzig if danzig <laughs> meant that to be the kicker of the story it is so incompetently delivered that like there's no way of telling whether or not that was it i don't know that there's meant to be a kicker in this story <laughs> well that's what i'm saying possibly not but maybe there was this Maybe. anti-narrative. What you guys yeah. didn't hear was Elliot go, hmm, after he Googled <laughs> Veronica quotes on IMDb and there were none. Yeah. I was and trying... so he was like, huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'll look up and see. Maybe someone put Morella's lines onto IMDb. They're very quotable. The eyes have it. And there they were and they were not available. No one has yet done that work. So I was, I was disappointed in not being able to find it. But it is something like, it is some it like oh that's a face of a different color or something like that like it's some dumb thing that doesn't make sense you know yeah uh so morella she is there it is anti-narrative as you're saying morella is there more to confuse us uh the the crypt keeper for instance he's there to uh ease us into the story and and uh, make it okay for us right. that we're watching a ghoul tell a tale of kind of humorous macabre yeah it's but, a br- uh, it's a brief uh brief port in a storm it's yeah. a safe space in between two and, and scary towns to is it like at the end of every tales from the crypt you're like ah ah and it comes back to the crypt you're like oh thank goodness i'm just in an evil right. crypt listening to a corpse talk to me well, and he's also <laughs> oh thank goodness at the end of a story to either sort of give you the moral or to just kind of gloat over what happened <laughs> yes whereas morella is there to kind of very in, in a very bored apathetic way 
give you the least possible amount of wordplay before shuffling you off to the next title card. She might say something like, well, well, like, and here's another or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so I guess it's my turn, and this is going to be hard. I may, need, I may need your help because, as Elliot says, it's all middle, and <laughs> I requested this one because I was like, I don't know if I am prepared to do a summary. I'm like, okay, that'll be the easiest one because nothing happens in it, but the fact that nothing happens in it makes it very hard to remember. You should well, just uh, just start with the beginning. What's what's so the what's beginning. the title? I will give you $50 right now if you <laughs> tell me the title. Is it, is it something like Drugia Countess or something like that? Oh, You're boy. You're not close not, enough, my man. No, what is it? Drukija, Countess of Blood. Okay. Well, that's close. So um, Stuart gets to keep his Ulysses S. Grant in his pocket. <laughs> okay. So uh, this story starts with, you see the, the titular Drukija. Right, and is she like? Is this in the? Is this like in the modern world? This first shot, uh, almost certainly no. Okay, since she's riding around in a medieval village yeah, on a there, horse, wasn't there like she's a smearing shot stuff on her face? Well, first she's first she's smearing blood on her face. Okay, and There's so she a, is basically she is a, a Bathory type evil countess. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna get yeah. to that. I'm gonna get to okay, that. Okay, sorry. Like, I mean, you seemed confused about when when the most basic setting of the <laughs> of the story. No, well, I confused. It, confused me when I was watching it because I was like oh this is the modern world and then it jumps like way back in time and I thought that maybe it was indicating that because this is a Countess Bathory character she hasn't aged over like decades and decades but Uh, now I I see see that it is just Glenn Danza's incompetence at making it look like it's olden times that made me think like oh this is happening in an apartment somewhere (laughs) (laughs) so anyway she's right Dan's search for meaning in this movie is like that uh, Shining documentary (laughs) yeah Dan is really room 237ing this thing where I think the rest of us were all like oh this is a piece of junk and Dan's like what is Glenn trying to tell me is this about the the extermination of the Native Americans what's going on here (laughs) I think that for me Part of the enjoyment of bad movie watching is the like uh, the psychological disconnect, like trying to find meaning in what the hell they were thinking and how badly they failed. I think I think what Glenn was thinking with this one was cool. She's naked and she's gonna get blood on her. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> she's riding her horse around, and I guess and like, the villagers are giving her some serious fucking side eye, right? Yeah. Uh, now, Dan, would you would you how would you rate her on a scale of countesses? Ten meaning great countess takes good care of the peasants, and zero meaning bathes in the peasant's daughter's blood. <laughs> I would give it a zero. Yeah. So okay. Fair. Fair. I just can't remember the order of the victims. Like okay, do, so she like, goes. Do like servants bring a, the first victim, or is that later no, she on? She goes to she goes to a barn uh-huh. and she buys a virgin girl from that girl's uh, mom. Isn't oh. it pronounced Verkin? Do they say virgins? <laughs> and so uh, her mom is like, "You're going to go live with the countess now. It's going to be great." And then counts the meager number of coins that have been placed in her palm, yeah. and she's brought to the castle to be overseen by the evil Sheska. Uh, yeah, and this oh, is that the, was her name. Yeah, oh, named okay. after the evilest of children's book authors, John Sheska, author of the Stinky Cheese Man <laughs> and the True Story of the Three Little Pigs, and also the Truck Town series. <laughs> April is shaking her head now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this first one is the one that like the, the wrists are slit 
and they're like she's strung up in the bath, right? Yep. Yeah, she has a big bath. It looks like a giant demon skeleton. The bath gets its own credit in the opening credits. Yeah. So, the maker of the bath gets his own credit, which it's oh really yeah it's an amazing oh, piece. It says bath. like it it says like demon tub by or something like oh, that. Yeah, uh-huh. the bath. Yeah, Kansas Bowling is the one who's got her wrist slit and she's just like sitting top. She looks really uh, comfortable. So, uh, well, is that one also, of those bathtubs where you can like open the door and just climb out? For, you it has know, to be because Glenn is getting on in years. Because those are uh, those are the kind of the thing about those tubs is like I can't gosh. imagine it's good for you to be like, for like an old person to just sit there while the tub slowly drains, <laughs> getting colder and colder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I mean, there's there's only you got to make your choices. You can either have to step over a tub or die of pneumonia. There's only, those are your two choices. Yeah. Now but here's the thing: this... it's not a claw foot tub. It's a claw hand tub because it's a big demon skeleton. Yeah. All right. So now, Dan, you recently installed a bidet in your house, oh, so you gosh. like bathroom fixture jokes, right? <laughs> yes. So, well, more about that later, maybe. I don't know. So she's got her she's got her arms tied up, and it is in this very artful uh, organization because, like, the bath, is it artful? Well, no. I'll, I'll explain what I'm saying. The bath okay. is full of blood, completely filled with blood. Yeah. Ostensibly from this. Uh, woman who is totally clean of blood except for like some like streaks going down from where her wrists were slashed. So mm-hmm. apparently there was no spray of any kind. Uh, this you know like or clotting. Yeah, yeah, true. I um, guess your wrists don't usually clot. And that's also the pro- that's the way why people. Yeah, kill that's themselves what, but you'd think that like the the tub would have some clotting in it, which yeah. is like it's not as like cool to see like just big blood clots yeah, like, like yeah. congealed all over her face like it's just <laughs> gross it's like, well that, yeah. that so you're saying that so that so sheska has been using some sort of thinner yeah to like keep yeah. things like well i wanted yeah, to okay. say that that brings me to the look of the blood where the, the blood looks like sort of cherry kool-aid much more than it does like a thick uh human substance um of any kind that's what's inside all of us dan <laughs> and, uh, cherry kool-aid and i if i was gonna I be mean, inside the kool-aid man I, I mean, if I was going to be generous, I could think, like, maybe this was a choice that Danzig was making because this movie is so clearly uh, influenced by uh, Jalla movies. And, like, he wants to be, I don't know, Dario Argento or something, the way he's using color <laughs> Stuart, and stuff. Stewart, again, looks very dubious. I think maybe Dan meant that it's been influenced by Jello movies. Okay. Uh, no, <laughs> commercials like, for Jello. It is documented. Glenn Danzig has said this. And this is what he's trying to do. So maybe in a in a in a more generous uh, frame of mind, I'd say, mm-hmm. okay, the blood looks like Kool Aid because he's trying to match that kind of uh, heightened fake look of that, those that films. bright red intensity. Yes, yeah. but instead, I can I can absolutely give him that because I yeah. do think he's trying to do some kind of Jallo stuff, and there's um, certainly that represented in the first thing where the woman gets her eyes poked out because that is the staple of the Jallo genres that. Eyes get stabbed. Like, you, know, you get it out of the way, like, eyes get stabbed. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Bring your safety glasses. <laughs> uh, okay, so she bathes in this woman's blood's blood for what felt like two hours. Uh-huh. Like, and, it's a long bath. And just when, just when you're like, bath time's probably over, they bring another victim in, and the victim is like, just kind of like a little concerned, uh, and then they just cut her throat and they cut her throat, bl- and like it's a uh, Monty Python meaning of life vomit style like arterial spray, which I mean they would be mm-hmm. like a lot of spray from the neck at first, but it goes on so long, <laughs> like her blood pressure would have dropped so quickly, but it just sprays and sprays her like a shower. 
I mean, all of this also, it gets, like we were saying, blood is gross. Yeah. And like, it's like in Blade, right? When the blood is just squirting out of the ceiling onto all the party goers. Yeah. Like, blood's mm-hmm. gross. Like, it's, it's like sticky and disgusting. Like, if you're going to get coated in it, like, it's going to feel awful. And like, <laughs> it's not like you're in the shower. It's gross. Well, she loves it, obviously. But I want to, I, <laughs> I do want to speak to That's like fair. The, that's fair. She's, re- she's loving life. She's like, this is my best life I right do now. Wanna, Speak mm-hmm. to the Countess's, like, affect, because I think that they're trying to suggest this kind of constant, like, orgasmic feel from the blood, maybe, like, just, yeah. or, like, wonderment, but, like, she looks like an alien, maybe, who has arrived on Earth for the first time and is just sort of taking in and, and amazed at everything, but it's just, like, her bathing in blood, mm-hmm. but she's got this constant dazed... Uh, amazement on her face while she's doing it. What do you um, think Danzig was telling her, like directing her? Like, what? It, what do you think? Like, he was giving her as like motivation or like, <laughs> do it like this. You know, what was he saying? Yeah. yeah. Do you, you think know? he climbed in the bath and he's like, do it like this, and then he like ba- took a bath for like four days, and you're like, okay, I guess <laughs> this is how this like, scene's uh. gonna go. <laughs> I mean, I think he was probably just telling like, this is the best that like th- this is the best feeling you've ever had, yeah. and like you love it, you love blood, you're, re- you're it's re-energizing you, and it's making you young and beautiful all the time, and because mm-hmm. she, it's at a certain point, I think Sheska is like, ah, oh, you're looking younger and more beautiful than ever, or something like that, <laughs> and otherwise it's never. Jessica really... was directing her in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like never really explained why she's doing this other yeah. than that and because she's just mean i guess like she's just a, a weirdo i don't know well, that's it's... the thing this 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 movie does assume that you're already familiar with the story of countess bathory who bathes in blood to make herself young forever but... allegedly allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. let's, well, let's say that a lot of powerful women i don't know history, history is usually pretty lies. kind to women to... in power Dan. <laughs> you're right you're right that's fair when a woman is in power, usually people are treated her with dignity and respect, right. and they don't say that she evades in blood or has sex with a horse or any of those things. None of those things. This movie so, assumes uh, that you know that already, so it doesn't feel the need to be like, give her any motivation for anything she's doing. Um, is this where so, she stares into the mirror for another yes, five hours? She stares <laughs> in the mirror for a couple hours, uh, and then... She kills another virgin and, and bathes in her blood. I think we can skip forward to when she goes there's, to the to be woods honest, and has guys, an encounter with the wolf. To be yeah. honest, there's a lot of me riding the 10-second skip button in this uh, story. <laughs> so she goes oh, I the, should have done that. I should have done that. She goes to the woods. She's got a piece of meat with her that I guess is part of one of her victims, although it looks like just a steak from the store. <laughs> I mean, she can buy steak, dude. She's the Countessa. I, yeah. And this, like... Uh, Wolf dog comes to her. At least that's what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to think like this is a real cool, threatening wolf. But it is clearly. Yeah, I don't think we're. The, the... I don't think we're supposed to think it's really lame and boring. Yeah. Well, it's clearly a good boy. <laughs> yeah, this is not a threat. Well, and I kept waiting for a plot to kick in. So I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Now she's gonna like encounter the devil in the woods or something. She's gonna get in over her head. Yeah. And she's gonna get her just desserts. No, that doesn't happen. And later, she's in the village again, and her men are, like, looking at each other like, this is crazy. Are we really doing this? And I was waiting for them to, like, rise up and overthrow her. That doesn't happen. Nope. It's just, like, it's just a cat. It's just scene after scene of her just being just, like, a badass killer countess. You, yeah. know? you know, he just, it's realism, though, you know? Because that's just <laughs> like, well, no one's going to stop her. I guess we just keep doing this. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> 
And wait, is there just basically just another victim, and that's the end? Yeah. Well, like, she cuts open she cuts open a virgin and eats her heart for uh-huh. a while. Yep. And then, that takes and a then while, a, and then a cat one of the captives escapes, and yeah. she runs for a little bit. Then she gets captured again, and that's when it gets yes. decapitated, and they hold up the fakest looking. Head <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> awesome, though, right? <laughs> seems like a waste. It seems like all that blood spraying on the ground. I'm yeah. like, why is the blood gonna? Why is the ground gonna look younger? <laughs> Yeah, why are they? I was just like, they're wasting so much blood. Yeah, yeah. that I mean, is, it's like just, ugh, I don't know. But it's she irresponsible. Gets, she, I think she saw that head and she was like, I want, I collect these now. Yeah. And she holds up this head, and the only way it could have been faker is if they put a wig on a Mr. Potato head and she held it up like it's, it looks like it's like if she is holding up Wilson from Castaway, yeah. it would have looked better than mm-hmm. what she has there. But she takes his head home. And she goes into a room where she's got like 20 other human heads on the wall. Yep. That look a lot more real because I think they just have the actresses putting their heads through the wall uh, rather than the rubber head that she's carrying around. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I have to assume this is maybe this is a sly reference to the song Skulls, in which the mm-hmm. singer mentions how he hacks the heads off little girls and put them on his wall. Uh-huh. But maybe oh, that's man, just that's a thing a, yeah, he, yeah. he thinks about a lot. I don't know. Uh, it's a little oh, Easter egg. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, uh, like I guess maybe there's maybe there are like dancing and misfits Easter eggs throughout that I didn't notice. Like I do I'm like when maybe. He, yeah. <laughs> I do like when he goes into the room and he uh, she takes her torch and she just like stares does at does one. like a little like spotlight on like four or five different heads. Yeah. <laughs> so you see this room with as many heads as like are on the wall in the George Harrison I got my mind set on you video and <laughs> but they're not singing along. They're not singing along and then it just kind of fades. That would have been fun though. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this, I guess, would have been, like, a reveal that she does this all the time if we didn't already know she does this all the time. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this. And that's the end of the story, right? Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. end of the story. That's how it I mean, ends. If you can call it a story, it's more of a character sketch. It's just sort of... <laughs> And then, sort of uh, then it's like, then it's like, see you later, my darklings. Well, Morella is is in the demon bath from the story, and she's like, after a story like that, I need a bath. See you later, my darklings. And yeah, that's and the that's, end. That's it. That's the story of Veronica. She's Maybe like, that's all for this the generations. <laughs> so, um, so April, uh, as our as our special guest, um, how would you? How would you? I mean, I guess we could go to final judgments, right, Dan? But how would you sum up your thoughts on this film? Um, what is it trying to do? What does it accomplish? Uh, what path does it blaze for independent filmmakers or big studio movies? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always try to give every filmmaker the benefit of the doubt because you have the resources that you have and you have those things to work with and that's it. Um I am sure that everyone tried their best on this. There is a, uh, there's certainly a lot of care and thought that went into uh, makeup and prosthetics and like people trying to like do something fun. You know, they're just trying to have fun. And, (laughs) and, you know, I'm sure that like when they put the the eyes on the tits, they were like, yes, you know, I feel like like the, I feel like everybody, like everybody kind of tried to match each other's energy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. I feel like the the man spider that makeup effect is pretty good. Yeah, except for I mean, like there's one point where they show him fully and like his crotch is ripped open, and maybe <laughs> that's part of the makeup. But I do <laughs> think that the makeup is, um, of of that is good, and you got to get credit where it's due because like they're working with not a lot of resources that's and true. they're making fun of or they're making some fun stuff. And a lot of times with makeup people, I feel so bad because it depends on how a person directs it. 
um, and how the uh, cinematography is. And so if that's not great, then it's not going to be the best showcase of their work and what they're doing. So like, you know, props to the makeup people. And I feel bad how, how rough I was on that fake head at the end, which... Uh, they really tried. They really know? tried. And maybe he should have shot it from the back. Maybe they should have shot it like not in daylight, I think. <laughs> too. <laughs> I mean, I thought the I thought the effect of like the, when they chopped off the head was actually pretty good. Yeah, or at least yeah, sure. it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's some effects things that are just like okay, you gotta remember there's like people working on this. They're giving it their heart, their all. But like, if your director is not into it and and doesn't really hold it together, then yeah, it doesn't always amount to much. So. That is my thought on it, and I think that it's interesting that he's trying to bring back the anthology, considering that so many people already have, um, <laughs> <laughs> like it exists and it's a it's a big thing. Um, so I'm just not sure where he's trying to go with it. It's just like making sure that people remember violence and sex and horror, which is like one of the things that <laughs> that I talk about a lot in terms of like maybe we need to change that, but. Yeah. <laughs> So Maybe I don't it's know. already overrepresented. Yeah, it might have been overrepresented, but there's always kind of like this last dying gasp of just like, no, we've got to make it more violent with less story and mm-hmm. lots of sex that ends in violence. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. I guess we're moving backwards here. So, you know. So it sounds like a. Re- I think there's a lot of good pull quotes in there. <laughs> they, <they're, laughs> they were obviously having fun. Everyone tried their hardest. <laughs> Uh, what about you? So, Dan, you've met, you've been on the record a couple times in the episode about how this movie was, like, tailor-made for you. Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, to uh, April's point and why I probably wouldn't recommend anyone see this movie as a, as a good-bad movie in any way, other than it just being kind of boring, is that, like, I do find the connection of, like, murderous uh, violence and sex troubling in this movie like the best thing i feel like i could say for it in that area is it it could have been more hateful like (laughs) exploitation sometimes gets pretty hateful and this like has like a weird horror movie nerds like innocence to it like he's just like oh i put some fangorias and playboys together like, yeah it feels a little bit like if these were uh comics drawn by like richard corbin i'd be like oh okay yeah but i mean like so that's the reason why i wouldn't for, like for, necessarily for a movie where it. a woman a movie where a woman cuts out another woman's heart and eats it on camera it's weirdly restrained yeah in a way but i still wouldn't feel comfortable saying anyone should necessarily uh watch it unless they you know you can make your own choices but uh but that stuff is one of the reasons why I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think it's also as wacky as people have said. Like, I think that the fact that Glenn Danzig directed it and it had, like, a crazy uh, festival uh, reaction has caused, like, it's no rioting on the internet. But I think that there are movies much like this on, like, Amazon Prime if you dig into their, like, trash that people have, have made, so... Yeah, I, I mean, know. you guys can back me up on this. It's uh, it's hard to tell uh, tell a good third act in a story, right? It's hard to hard, <laughs> hard to wrap, the, hard to wrap things up. You know? Very true. You you start strong, middle kind of lags a little bit, but then you know we have some trouble in the the final third. Can't bring it home. Uh, so yeah, all the things you guys uh, said is said's right. Uh, I, I wait. Are we saying this is a bad bad movie? I can say that. Yeah, bad bad movie. I wouldn't recommend it. 
Yeah, I would I would do the same. I think you're right, Dan, that if it wasn't Glenn Danzig that made it, this movie would have flown much farther under the radar. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it promised a lot of craziness in the first couple minutes and then settles into instead a lot of, um, let's just call it half-heartedness yeah. uh, on the part of the filmmaker. Um, but, yeah, so I don't think I would recommend it. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Hi, this is Sarah, and I'd like to tell you about Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a band of geniuses or nerds or brilliant artists or kids or some combination of all of those who get together to make a show like no other that's family-friendly. It's an interactive call-in game show podcast. When I found Dr. Game Show, I found joy. I told my friends and family that if they weren't listening, they were wasting joy. I sent them the episodes that made me laugh until I cried. I played it for them in the car. They laughed too, laughed their butts off, but they still don't listen on their own. So they're wasting joy. And I keep looking for someone to understand me. Maybe it's you. Give Dr. Game Show a listen and find joy. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, what if, uh, what if Glenn Danzig did a song for, for the letter segment? Uh-huh. What would that what sound do you think like? That, what do you think that would sound like? Because it might be something like, letters, tell your letters, yes, to come my way. Send letters to Dan, let we hear what they say. Letters. Letters! Read us letters that you write for a while. There's not much else to say about letters. Oh, letters! Yeah, April's reaction is great because it's both a fair amount of laughter and turning her head away as far as she could from well, it is very loud it is very loud i can only imagine to avoid the spray of spittle flying from elliot's mouth mm-hmm. as he howls yeah. his song all right anyway so if you want to write hell with me send me a letter continue letter song <laughs> okay this first letter is from lex last name with hell mm. hello mm-hmm. sci-fi channel show uh i've been listening to old episodes and deep in the archives are episodes where Mr. Pedant himself, Elliot Kalin, needs to, be re- needs to be reminded who, quote, new actors are, such as Emma Stone or Bradley Cooper. Since both are now Hollywood darlings, it leads me to wonder, are there any other actors you were surprised to see make it big in the decades you've been watching bad movies? Lex, last name withheld. I want to say for myself... Uh, it is only that it's hard for me to remember the names of actors who are not in black and white. Uh, <laughs> okay. So when I see modern actors and they're in color, it all looks the same to me. Uh, so it's hard for me to remember their names. Bradley Cooper, that's not a name I can remember. But like Guy Kibbe, that's a name I can remember. Yeah, they had names back then. <laughs> yeah, now they don't have names. I mean, they do, <laughs> but still. 
Back then we had faces. They weren't getting stolen from us all the time. Um, well, I, I don't know. There aren't really any actors that I'm surprised to see make it big. What about you guys? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, wow. Everyone's bad for okay. glory. I mean, I don't know. I mean, also, like, who the... Uh, I mean, there are names that I think are funny. I think it's still very funny that there's an actress named Imogene Poots and that that... And she's wonderful. And she's great. She's great. And she's great. She just has a silly name. I was I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about her because like I was watching the the Fright Night remake recently, Mm -hmm. and compared to the rest of her like uh, filmography, it almost feels like she's like cosplaying as a normal Hollywood starlet in that movie because she's normally in such like crazy weirdo movies, and she's it's such like a kind of normal one in that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, she's great. Uh, what about you guys? Who are you? Who are you uh, surprised about? I mean, I when I remember sitting down to watch One Fine Day, starring George Clooney, uh-huh. uh, who I guess George Clooney's a good one. I never would have thought seeing this guy in uh, Return of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, uh, <laughs> he would then become like a huge movie star. Uh, but seeing George Clooney playing, uh, I think, the father of a young May Whitman. Who would have thought she would go on to be one of TV's good girls? Okay, that was okay. weird. I mean, I guess it, it is. It is. Uh, I am. I'm surprised by how certain our actors' careers have gone. It yeah. Like, I never would have guessed that Jake Gyllenhaal would kind of be where he is at the moment, where he seems to like seek out weirder roles and Broadway roles yeah. more than kind of like big movie stuff. But. uh I don't know. I think the people that I make mistakes about, I think, are often people I sort of just dismiss as big lugs. You know, like, um, for instance, oh, who was I thinking? <laughs> they went out of my head as soon as I, oh, like Channing, Channing Tatum, you know, who, like, early on, you're just like, okay, who's this, like, hunk of meat? But then you uh, see him in a bunch of stuff, and you're like, oh, he's, he's really good. He's, you know, and, uh, like, we had. I mean, not that he's like amazing, but I wouldn't have guessed that John Cena had such a facility for comedy. Uh, even this is a little sad since he's no longer with us. But even Heath Ledger, I saw him, you know, early on in Ten Things I Hate About You. I'm like, okay, he's like a big lunk. And then everyone talked about how he was going to be this great actor. I'm like, really? And then it turns out they were right. So, yeah, I mean, it's I don't want to like slag anybody. I, I'm not certainly not a judge of like who's up and coming talent. So, you know. There's no one that there's no one where I'm like shocked. Like this person is a star. This is crazy. I think this is okay. So I actually have a story to tell for this. I okay. when I lived in Los Angeles back in like 2004, when I was very young and poor, um, I I like that the story rhymes already. I know. I'm trying to. I'm going to try to keep it up. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm, I don't have that uh, the faculties for that. But I, I mean, you heard my letter song, right? Like the, the bar is very low. <laughs> I, I went on a reality show um, that that never ended up airing or doing anything because they were they were putting together this show of like essentially you would name your style icon of like a star that you really liked their style and then they would like give you a makeover like that person and then that person would come at the end of the show and be like oh you're just like me and so they asked me like uh what celebrities do you think you have like um like would be your style icon and I really didn't I don't care about celebrity generally but I was just like man I really love Maggie Gyllenhaal and they were like ooh Maggie Gyllenhaal she's like kind of big might be hard to get do you mind if we do Anne Hathaway and and I was like Okay, whatever. And <laughs> so yeah, then uh, they were, at that time Anne Hathaway was just like 
poor man Snaggy Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she became like this big star and obviously is this huge persona in Hollywood. Yeah. But at that time it was just like, you know, she's just like in some kids' movies. She's still a and, princess diary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, Elliot, when she was your girlfriend, did you think she was going to be as huge as... Uh, yeah, I don't know if April knows this story about Elliot's I mean, romantic uh, past. I mean, not my girlfriend. <laughs> she was someone who was in the same high school as me. <laughs> but other than that, we had very little interaction. But I think uh, actually, actually Char- Charlene had a question because she was watching Princess Diaries for the first time on the plane back from San Juan. And... Uh-huh. Uh, that's a that's a movie that is kind of hurtful to curl, uh, people with curly hair because mm-hmm. she has curly hair at the beginning and then like you know she like classes it up by having straight hair. So does she have curly hair in real life or straight hair? Do you remember no, from has, high school? She has straight hair. Oh, Much so do you like, think she had a uh, wig for continuity's sake in Princess Diaries? I think they might have. I think they probably it? just curled her hair. They may have it curled out. it. Yeah, yeah, I think they probably just curled her hair. This is really funny because I dated someone who used to flirt with her in high school. Really? Yeah, was like in some plays. Went to like a boys' high school and they like. Did well, that's some the plays thing. Together. I think we all kind of were like, oh, if anyone's going to be a famous actress, it'll be her because she was like star of all the shows yeah. she was already in a tv show by the end of high school so mm-hmm. so i think you know what we did know that annie was going to be okay. a big star that's what we used to call her back then annie okay. because she was an orphan <laughs> with a dog and her uh-huh. and her adopted father was a war profiteer. yeah yeah and she didn't have any pupils in her eyes it was yeah no pupils very disconcerting. Yeah, they, now that's the thing i mean she had it was strange in stage plays, but for the movies they have to hand draw her pupils in every frame. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of a lot of expense. A yeah. lot of expense. Yeah. So when you're watching a movie like Rachel Getting Married, you mm-hmm. have no idea how much CGI work went into that film. Yeah, that's not a big budget movie. That's you know Jonathan Demme and his kind of like smaller picture mode. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's but again they had to go to I think Industrial Light and Magic to hand draw the pupils into every frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, film facts. Okay. Duncan, last name withheld, McLeod, uh, or says, "Dear flopper, flopper astadors, flopperistadors." I'm a big fan of apocalypse movies, but one of the mo- more annoying tropes of the genre always seems to be the tendency toward god awful future slang. They can never just call zombies zombies; it's always walkers or biters or some shit. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what are your favorite examples of weird fictional lingo? Much obliged, Duncan, last name withheld. Uh, I mean, I love Apocalypse movies, too. I like that one where Apocalypse puts his hand on a computer and he says, learning. Wait, wasn't that, wait, you mean X-Men Apocalypse? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's an Apocalypse in it. I'm technically correct. Yeah. Fair point. That is an Apocalypse movie. Okay, fair. Yeah. Or like, uh, there's that movie Apocalypto, and it's like, guys, you can't even use English? Come on. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I have to admit, I do. I since Dan sent us these uh, these letters this morning, I have didn't have time to do research. But I, it is something that I do love is made up future slang in in movies or science fiction stories because it never really sounds that much like real slang. It sounds like someone's idea of uh, just hey, how do you take words and like chop them into little pieces? But Uh I don't have any off the top of my head right now. Do you guys remember any? Uh, Dan's I mean, been a Dan's been a big fan. You're a big fan of younglings, right? 
Yeah, I don't like... I mean, that's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's not really future slang. Yeah, that's extreme past slang. Extreme past slang. But I was actually, I was going to go there, too. I'm sorry for busting your balls. Uh, I don't like <laughs> deathlings. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, actually, that's not accurate. But it is what I was going to say. <laughs> Death sticks is dumb. Like, Death all that sticks. Stuff is dumb. Heck yeah, man. And then there's like... Uh, this is not uh, future slang, but we have to talk, I think, a little bit about Stephen King's mastery of slang. Uh-huh. Where you know he says he says things like uh, "fuckaroony" or like. Well, because he's trapped in the 1950s, Dan, yeah. and that's how they spoke. Is it? Is that Hepcat lingo? No idea. Yep, yep, it is. I think. Uh, I'm just looking up now, and I forgot that in uh, in Back to the Future Part Two, uh-huh. uh, there's a part where a police went according to uh, TV tropes that are. It says that Hilldale is nothing but a breeding ground for tranks, lobos, and zip heads. And it's like, come on. <laughs> well, you don't want lobos and running around. I forgot around. that in, yep. uh, in Children of Men, refugees are called Fugees. Oh, yeah. The, uh, well, wait, is that... Wait, is it Fugees? Like, uh, or, that's a short term that people use for refugees. Is it? Yeah. yeah. That's, where, yeah. that's where the Fugees yeah. come from. The, uh, uh, but all I know is the band. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what it's short for. Maybe that's where they got their name from. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, strike that from the record. Slang I never heard before. Uh, I would say uh, my the, the the weirdest one for me is uh, in the Underworld movies, calling the werewolves lichens. Because oh. it, it requires you to know that like ly- lycanthropy is the, yeah. is like yeah. the medical whatever condition. <laughs> it felt very strange to me. Yeah, but, I will say but, that I do but like... still really sexy when it's Michael Sheen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I do like in a, it, there's a bunch of uh, stuff in Fury Road, but I feel like that gets a pass because it's not supposed to be like a prediction about the future. Like it's such a crazy movie that yeah. it doesn't feel like he's trying to predict slang. Instead, it's just like these are crazy things people might say. I just assume that's how Australian people talk. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. They talk about organic mechanics and things mm-hmm. like that. Oh, I wish I remembered specific things, but like Escape from New York and um, like Dread, I'm thinking of like. Just random things, but there's there's something like that in every single post apocalyptic yeah. movie. Yeah, and there's and the names of future drugs are always pretty funny. Yes. Oh yeah, it's always like give me a hit of Glens or like <laughs> or, well, I need a hit of like Spice Ice. It's like, Come on, guys, this is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, uh, I've seen The Wire, Elliot, and that's the kind of names they would invent for their drugs. Uh, is it? I don't know about that. Give me some Blasto. I mean, well, the, I think they like. I think they call call it like WMDs and stuff. Yeah, it's not yeah, that far from RoboCop 2's nuke. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is also a silly name for a drug, though. I don't know. I mean, when you're Elliot, when you're just looking to get blasted, <laughs> what's going to blast you more than? Yeah, you're going to get that, you're going to get the product that promises the biggest blast, and that's like- nuke. Stewart is taking deep personal offense to this. He's like, don't make fun of these. <laughs> don't make fun of Robocop 2. <laughs> so now's the part of the podcast where we uh, we recommend uh, movies to watch instead of Erotica, which you should watch, I don't know, anything instead of Erotica. Maybe, <laughs> uh, like I don't know, like there's, there's YouTube videos. Just watch those of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'll... watch uh, watch that TikTok of the old lady putting uh, putting Mentos in that two liter of Coke. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's always always great. Uh, so, uh, so those are your recommendations too. Uh, <laughs> any YouTube video and also that TikTok video. Just, just getting started, Elliot. Uh, I, I'll I'll kick us off um, because Veronica uh, 
has a reputation as a fun bad movie, but uh, we did not find it so much to be so. Even though I think we had a lot of fun talking about it, um, I'm going to recommend a bad movie that I saw for the first time that kind of delighted me, and that's The Lawnmower Man from 1992. Uh, the effects still hold up, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the effects. So okay, there was this brief vogue uh, in the uh, early to mid '90s uh, for you know these internet-based thrillers, these technology thrillers. This is a virtual virtual reality thriller, and um, their conception of uh, virtual virtual reality. I think we've uh, compared it to this before. It's kind of one of the like the, one of those mind's eye videos that you used to see back in like yeah. Radio Shack back in the day. Super cool. Yeah, of just like blobs like merging into each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's there's virtual reality sex in this that's literally uh, two human blobs kind of just merging and, and intertwining. I mean, that's um, kind of what real life sex is. Yeah, that's is. what all biology just, is. Just well, two human blobs intertwining. <laughs> I guess so. And merging briefly. Um, ah, and you have two children? I have two two new human blobs, yes. The Lawnmower Man is a. It it takes its title from a Stephen King story, but Stephen King sued to have his name taken off the film uh, because it really has nothing to do with that story, which is about the god Pan, I believe, who's. like eating grass. Let's yeah. stay on target, Dan. Let's stay on target. You're okay. talking about the movie here. <laughs> the point is, has nothing to do with it. This one, Jeff Fahey is kind of a uh, Flowers for Algernon style, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> not too bright character, but like not in any, any way that's any, recognizable. And he dresses like the star of like a children's program. Inhuman. Yeah. Like he, he's dressed like Chucky, He-Man? basically. Like yeah. a big, big old human-sized Chucky, mm-hmm. and he's got a crazy blonde Dumb and Dumber wig on, and uh, Pierce Brosnan wants to use his virtual reality to somehow uh, increase his IQ. I'm not really sure how virtual reality does that, but whatever. And then he becomes sort of a godlike figure. Like Honestly, like around halfway through the movie, and I'm like, where does this movie go from here if he's already a godlike figure? But I won't uh, I won't go any further. It's directed by the same dude who later would direct Virtuosity. The oh. movie where... He spe- really specialized in virtual yeah. reality. Yeah, yeah. where Russell Crowe is a virtual reality composite of a bunch of serial killers. That uh-huh. Dan, d- don't rule. have to go into it. You're just recommending Lawnmower Man. I think don't I have to go do. I think virtuosity. I have to explain a little bit about why these two movies are similar, and it's interesting that they're from the same director. But anyway... Uh, I'm not saying it's a good movie. It's not. But if you want something silly that reminds you of a time when we didn't understand what technology was, uh, The Lawnmower Man might fit the bill. I want to see that on the box now. I'm not saying it's a good movie because it's not. Dan McCoy, The (laughs) Flopheads. What about you, Stu? What did you see? Oh, man, I've seen so much. Uh, I'm going to recommend... I'll recommend The Lodge. It's uh, a horror movie, um, and it's kind of like a mishmash, like greatest hits of uh, you know modern like boutique horror films. I don't want to talk about it too much because there is like like a lot of modern horror movies. It has some very specific twists that you don't want to cover, but it does seem. T- I can say that it's about a young woman who spends some time in an isolated cabin with her boyfriend's two children who don't like her very much. And uh, she also has a uh, a history with a doomsday cult. And 
and then they get snowed in and stuck out there and spooky things happen uh and it's it's not great but it's also like sillier than i was expecting and it's pretty fun and like i don't know check it out <laughs> and uh, okay so two two strong recommendations april have you seen anything recently that you would like to get behind more strongly than dan sort of getting behind theirs today yes i can absolutely recommend wholeheartedly first cow Oh, um, I really want to see that. Kelly Reichardt's newest film. She is one of my favorite filmmakers with very few missteps. And um, her movie never takes the turns that you think it's going to. And it is riveting. And it is like the lowest key milk heist movie you can imagine. But it's really sweet and really funny. And it's also, um, you know, somewhere in there pretty devastating and, and, and hits your heart very very deeply so i i love first cow <laughs> i have to admit i can imagine a low-key milk heist movie better than a high-key milk heist movie that i would have a hard time imagining uh-huh now i'm imagining it though <laughs> yeah it's like oceans 11 save versus it, milk save, yeah. it, save it for first cow to second cow <laughs> 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 and uh i recently finally got to see the farewell Movie everyone was talking about that they liked so much that uh, Lulu Wang made and it stars Aquafina and I really liked it a lot too and thought it was really good and uh, I watched it after the Oscars and I was like hmm I like this movie a lot more than a bunch of the movies that were nominated for Oscars the so, uh, the grandma take that Academy. The, the, the grandma is so good <laughs> yeah she's really good in it oh yeah she's wonderful she's great the it's it's a uh, it's always exciting to see a movie that is about a is about a specific world and does not feel like it is made for explaining that world to people who are not from it. And uh, there was, and there, it was just, it felt like I was like, oh, okay, I'm experiencing what these characters are experiencing, and they're and they're having conversations I could see them having that are like, you know, they're movied up a little bit because it's a movie. But uh, I just thought it was really good, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I was with it the whole time, which is more than I can say for Veronica, which lost me, I think, three seconds into the movie. <laughs> And my uh, my friend X, who I work with at The Daily Show, has a small role in The Farewell. Uh, guys, I think we've reached the end. Uh, yeah, so let's do a couple of plugs. Before you do that, why not check out Switchblade Sisters, also on the Maximum Fun Network, if you haven't already. It's one of my favorite podcasts on the network. Thank you, Elliot. <laughs> and uh, and check out New to VOD, uh, Black Christmas, which I got a chance to rewatch. Uh, on a plane. Uh, okay, I rewatched it on a plane. I was watching. No, I think it. that's good because then people might be around you, looking like, oh, "What is this thing he's yeah, watching?" I'm gonna the, see the, this. The, yeah, it's free the fellow next to me was Black watching. Christmas is now. <laughs> <laughs> the fellow next to me was watching a Joker, and I think he Ugh. watched the ending of it twice. <laughs> yikes. Oh, yikes! I don't. Is oh. that? Is that? Would you say that's the target audience? Did he look twisted? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was pretty twisted. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, April. It's great. Great. All right. I think that's it. April, thank you so much for uh, being with us. And uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. I'm April Wolf. Bye. 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 A bidet is a, it's like a toilet that squirts water into your touch <laughs> to clean you. Here. So, so April, at this point, are you thinking about all the life choices that have led you here? <laughs>
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.